All right, we are in our final week of our church series. Started this at the beginning of September. We've been talking about the church. I said when I began, there are three questions that I want to address. The three questions are, what is it? What is church? What is the purpose of church? And do we even need church? Uh, if you're just joining us today for the first time, if you need a reminder, let's go through the first two questions. Little spark notes, or what is it? Pink, pink monkey, pink elephant. What was that in college? You ever use that? Spark notes. There's like pink elephant or something like that. Cliff notes. Yeah, that's like even older. Yeah. <laughs> Look it up. Pink monkey. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know if I want to tell you to go to that because I think you're going to blame me. You'll be like, what is Dave sending us to? I have no idea. Uh, so, And then we'll uh, look at the third question. So first, what is church? What is it? Uh, as we mentioned early on three weeks ago, church can take many different forms. It's not the building. Uh, it's a gathering. Oh, here's how I defined it. Uh, it's a group of people who intentionally gather together to learn how to follow Jesus with their lives. That's my working definition of church. So it can happen here in a movie theater. It can happen in a building known as a church. It can happen in Debbie's living room Wednesday evenings twice a month. Uh, church is whenever a group of us intentionally gather together because we are saying that we want to learn what does it mean for us to follow Jesus with our lives. Second question, what is the purpose of church? Uh, we looked at this question over the last two weeks. First, we said the purpose is to create more followers of Jesus and more followers of Jesus who then go out and create more followers. That's why at Awaken, we keep it very, very simple. Our vision is to create followers of Jesus. We think we should just be really, really simple and to the point. Uh, we also said last week, church is in order to prepare us, to equip us, to train us, in order to go out and serve the world. We come here, we gather together on a Sunday morning because we learn how can we now go out to serve our neighbors? How can we serve the world around us? Uh, we're also learning here, what does it mean to house God? Last week I said, your body is a temple. Uh, your body is a meeting place between the human and the divine. So what does it look like for you to house God? How do you live that out each day? And then also we are taking steps together toward embodying the life of Christ. The whole measure, becoming people of greater peace, greater purpose, greater love, greater joy. Which I could use all of those in my life. I could keep taking steps in that direction if you know what I'm talking about. Now, let's look at this third question that we want to address here in this series. And the third question is, probably the one that you have all been waiting for, do we even need it? Do we need church? Can we just do this thing on our own? Can we sit in front of our computer, find our favorite pastor, listen to a sermon, and that's our church? Can we sit in our car and our bathtub, listen to some worship music, and just sing it at the top of our lungs? Do we even need to gather together with others? Now, here's what I want to do this morning in order to answer this question. I tried to think about the best way to end this series. And I thought the best way to end this series is by playing a little bit of everyone's favorite game show. Who knows what game show this is? Family Feud. And instead of interviewing the people, I figured I would interview myself and put my top four answers on the board. <laughs> so here are my top four reasons why I believe I personally 
need church. Uh, we'll look at the, uh, the first one, and these are in no particular order, but the survey says for us the first reason why I need church, and again, there's no particular order that I put these in. They're all just as important. The first reason is to focus my attention or to worship something other than myself or money or entertainment or my comfort. I come here, I come to church. I think it's important. The reason why I need it is because I need to be reminded life isn't all about me. And there's something else that deserves my attention other than the many things we are told to worship throughout the week. Think about all those advertisements. They're drawing you in, pulling you in, telling you, worship this. Focus your attention here. So I come here to worship something than all the other things that I'm told to worship throughout the week. Here's 1 John chapter 4, beloved. And John here in this letter, he's acting like a pastor. He's this elder, and he is writing to people that he views as his children, people younger than him, people who are beginning the journey of following Jesus. And here's what he says. Let us love one another. I mean, he keeps it really simple, too. (laughs) I love it. Sometimes make the Bible so complicated. Then you come to a verse like this, and it's like you breathe a little easier. You know what I'm saying? Let us love one another. Oh, okay, cool. If, if the whole Bible could be that simple, maybe I begin making a little more progress. Although loving each other, that uh, can be difficult. That's why we come here, right? Because we learn how to do this. Let us love one another. For love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God or anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. I love that right there. God is love. For John, writing here in 1 John, he's equating God with love. Let us love one another. As we do so, we reflect God to ourselves and to each other. God is love. So if we worship God, which is what we do here on Sunday mornings, it's as if we're, we're worshiping love. We're focusing our attention on love and all the different attributes of love, like mercy, sacrifice, selflessness, grace, forgiveness, peace, service, as we looked at to the world. If we're coming here together, we're saying we're worshiping God. This is what we're doing here. We're focusing our attention on these ways of living in the world, which isn't always what we are told to focus our attention on throughout the week. What you worship is what you will become. If you worship yourself, you constantly are putting yourself in front of everyone else. If you're focusing your attention on money, on comfort, whatever it happens to be, you will become that type of person. Whatever you focus on, Whatever you worship, that is who you will become. And here's kind of how I view the culture, the world that we live in. looks a bit like this. We have all these messages that are screaming out at us, trying to get our attention. And essentially what they're saying is, worship this. People are selling you products. The people selling you the products, they want your worship. They want your attention. Buy our product and you will become, you'll have the sleekest hair in the neighborhood. 
buy our product and you will become just as cool as this celebrity who is selling the thing that you're looking at. And what these messages constantly tell us throughout the week is, you can have it all. You can have all of it, which if you've been living for a while, you know that that is a big lie. We try to have it all, and we become beyond stressed. You ever try packing too much into your schedule because you think you can get it all done? Oh, I can go here, and then I can go here and cram this in and do this and become this and that. Yeah, that's the uh, fast track to burnout. You're limited. You're human. You're finite. When we worship God, we're worshiping something beyond ourselves, and we're reminding ourselves that we are human. We're frail. We're limited, and we can't have it all as much as we like to tell ourselves. Uh, another message, life is about you. You ever seen this one before? The, the messages that we hear saying, it's all about you. It's all about you as number one. And so much for anyone else. Yeah, yeah. Claw your way to the top. Climb your way up there. And who cares who gets stepped on along the way? Life is all about you and what you can achieve. Another message, you exist to consume. Think about the endless streaming services that we have, the endless opportunities for shopping online constantly. Don't you hate that thing? I talked about this last year uh, where these products and these companies will track you around the Internet. You look something up, then you're on your social media feed, and you're like, how did, What? How did Instagram know that I was just looking at this website? And the craziest thing is, because my phone is connected with Steph's phone, if she's looking at something, women's shoes, now I'm getting advertisements for women's shoes on my Instagram feed. Or, I remember this last year, I think it was last year, uh, I was infatuated with the Johnny Depp uh, trial with Amber Heard. So I would sit there at lunchtime and I would just eat my lunch and watch the trial online. <laughs> So on her social media feed, she started getting all these clips from the trial. And she's like, what are you watching? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the message that's often given, you exist to consume. Because if you're not consuming, if you're not buying, well, then you're really not living life. You need to buy more. You need to stuff more into your house, which already, as Americans, we are carrying around in our houses the weight of a full-grown hippopotamus. I think it's like one and a half tons or something like that. Some of you are probably a little bit more than that. Some of you are a little less than that. But the average American carries around the weight of a full-grown hippo of stuff. And we're still told to consume more because obviously a hippo isn't enough weight for us to carry around. You need two full-grown hippos and three storage units to contain all of that stuff. Yeah, the message is often given, if you are not consuming, if you're not buying things, you are not really experiencing life. And I think there's one more here. Uh, yes, sacrifice everything, whatever it happens to be. Sacrifice family, friendship, church, your spirituality, your health, all for wealth, fame, success, or career. So I come to church. Why, why do I need church? Because I need to refocus my attention. I need to worship something other than all those things that are screaming at me throughout the week, trying to tell me, worship this, worship that. 
and then you will become like this. Culture often teaches us to focus on a way of living contrary to what it is that we focus on at church. Think about church. Well, we're told to give our money away. <laughs> how, how often do you hear that? Yeah, we're told to love, to set aside differences, to extend forgiveness to those who hurt you. Think about the movies that you watch. Normally, the, the movies, their dominant theme, it's about getting revenge. It's about getting even, payback, retribution for what they have done. So here, we come to church, and we begin to focus on a different way of living, the way of love. As we worship God, we're worshiping love and that particular way of being in the world. I love it. Uh, John continues here in this, as we love God, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us. See, this is how God shows us love. This is how God has showed love through Jesus. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. How do we live? We're alive because of love. We're living through Jesus, the greatest example of love, of sacrifice. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. So we are loved first. God doesn't love us because we love God. God's like, okay, if you don't love me, well, then I'm not going to love you. No, God's like, I-, I love you no matter what. God's love is always, forever upon you. Even the times when we don't feel like we love God or we feel like we want to keep arms distance from God, God's like, I-, I still love you. That's what we sang this morning. That's probably why it was such a profound, meaningful song for you. It's the fact that God, God's enough, and God's love is always there with us more than we ever could know or imagine Uh, god uh, he loved us sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins beloved if god so loved us we also ought to love one another no one has ever seen god if we love one another though it's like we're able to manifest god we're able to make god visible through our acts of love if we love one another god abides in us and his love is perfected in us. We come here because we want to learn about love. That's why I, so do I need church? Yeah, because I'm told so often, don't love. And so I come here in order to focus my attention on being a person of love in the world. Number two survey says, second reason why I believe I need church, because it reminds me of what's true. Reminds me of what's true. This is Colossians, the Apostle Paul. I tell you this. Why am I writing this letter to you? I tell you this. I write this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding, or we could also translate this word as hollow arguments. I write this because I want you to know what's true. There's a lot of good arguments out there, but in reality, they just sound all good, but they're hollow. There's no substance behind them. Here is a picture Uh, Who knows what kind of a hamburger this is? It's a Big Mac. Who has ever eaten a Big Mac that looks like this? Here is how the Big Mac is advertised to you. And then here is how the Big Mac actually looks when you go and purchase it and unwrap it. (laughs) You're being sold this and you get that. Uh, Maybe you're not a McDonald's person. You're a Burger King person and you would appreciate a great Whopper. Here's how the Whopper is sold to you. 
and here's what you actually get. <laughs> I tell you this, dear children, so that McDonald's and Burger King will not deceive you with fine-looking pictures. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. Yeah, we're often promised things in life, and then we pursue them, we follow them, we bite into them, and we realize it's not really delivering on the thing that it's promising. There, there's a lot of hollow arguments in the world. Uh, this is a tree in my backyard. It was lived in by a raccoon for a little while. That's why you see some of the scrapes on the side there. And uh, after the rac raccoon had left this tree, I looked in it, looked up, totally hollow all the way through. Uh, if you look at this tree from the woods, here's what it looks like. You'll see it right there in the middle. The bark is starting to peel off a little bit. This tree is dying. There are no leaves on this tree. This is a hollow tree. Hollowness cannot sustain life. I tell you this so that you will not be deceived by hollow arguments, so that you won't be deceived by people who are selling you something, selling you a way of life, but in reality, it's just, it's just leading to death. As you follow this way of living, you think it looks so good, it's enticing, it's appealing, but as you begin walking that path, you realize it's not producing any leaves upon your tree. Uh, here's another tree in my backyard. It's a beautiful, healthy tree. The leaves will begin changing in a couple of weeks. And I will stare out my back window at the beauty of this tree and all the others with their leaves. But that hollow tree will have nothing to offer me. I tell you this so that you are not deceived. Yeah, there's lots of messages out there that are telling us one thing. I come to church. Why do I need church? Because I need to be reminded of what's true of what's real, of what produces life within me and my friends and my family. What did John talk about? He talked about love as the foundation of all things, as that which is the most true in this world. Yeah, I come here because I need to be reminded of what is really true and what will sustain me and bring me the life that I truly desire. Let's look at number three, the third reason why I believe I need church, why we need church. Survey says, number three, I need the support and the encouragement of others. Last week, we looked at a word, ecclesia, was translated 114 times, written 114 times in the New Testament. So we said, okay, that's a lot of times. So we should pay attention to a word if it shows up that many times in such a small document. Well, guess what? I have another word for you this morning. And this one, little secret, this one shows up more than 114 times. So if we need to pay attention to a word that shows up 114 times, what about a word that sh shows up 240 times? Double the amount of times in the New Testament, which is kind of small. I mean, it, it, there's a lot in there, but it's not that. I mean, think about that compared to the Old Testament. Old Testament's like, whoosh, New Testament, it got a little shorter, 240 times. This word, elelon. And I have given a sermon about this before, so I don't want to go too deep into it, but who remembers 
I looked this up to see when I actually gave this sermon. I gave it uh, about a year and a half ago, which means many of you were here when I gave this sermon. So many of you should know the answer to this one. What does this word mean? Yes, F9 for come on down. Price is right. Yeah, it means one another. One another. 240 times in the New Testament. A few examples for us. First, Galatians chapter 6. Carry each other one another's burdens. Anyone walk in here this morning with some weight you're carrying? Anyone walk in dragging some burdens on your shoulders behind you? Yeah, we all have them. Carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Here's another one. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Anyone here this morning carrying some shame around with them? Anyone here this morning, you're not too proud of where you've been, some things that you've done? Yeah, we've all been there. We all have those moments. There's something that happens, some form of healing that takes place when we bring others into our lives and some of the darkest places that we've been. There's a healing that happens. Confess it. Find people who will support you, who can be there with you. And as you do, as you pray together, and as you bring someone into that with you, you'll find healing. You'll realize you're not alone. And the healing of Christ will be with you. The prayer of a righteous person, powerful and effective. Here's another one. Hebrews 3, encourage one another daily. Put the card over there, but what what are we doing with those cards? We're, We're trying to encourage those here at Awaken who can't physically be with us. Encourage one another daily. Can anyone use some daily encouragement? <laughs> I mean, this is what we're told to do. Uh, here's a little brief summary of all the one another's. The church is to be a space, community of, accept one another, support one another, love one another, heal through confession, prayer, non-judgment, compassion, forgiveness, daily encouragement, and uh, again, because it's mentioned so many times, love. This is what the church is to be about. Why do I come here? Because I need this. Anyone else, you could use this as well throughout your life? Yeah, we all could. Because the question is, where else do you get that today? You're not getting it on Instagram. So we come here because we're, we're loving each other and supporting. And in that way, we're fulfilling the law of Christ. In that way, we're making God visible as we do all this together in community. Oh, everyone needs a Wednesday night at Debbie's. <laughs> Forgot I had this slide on here. I have a great friend. He lives out in Pittsburgh. He was listening to one of my recent sermons, and I must have been mentioning about Wednesday night at Debbie's, and he texts me. He's like, hey, I just listened to your sermon. He's like, it's so true. Like, he was going through some things. He's like, it is so true. Everyone, this is what he writes to me, Everyone needs a Wednesday night at Debbie's. And it's true. We all need a Wednesday night where we get together. We can pray for each other. We can support one another. We can laugh. We can celebrate birthdays together. We can just live life together and realize we're not in this alone. 
we all need the support and encouragement. Why do I need church? Why do I think we all need it? Well, because we need the love, the encouragement, and the support of each other. That, to me, is what church is all about. And then, survey says, answer number four, why we need church. Because I need to learn to love and live with others that are different than myself. We looked at this verse a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Galatians 3, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Yeah, there's all these reasons why we shouldn't be gathered together in the same room. If we were to poll everyone here in this room, I guarantee you we would have some major, major differences, whether it be politically, socially, religious background, whatever the reason is. But yet here we all are. Here we all are. And I think that's the way it's supposed to be. Where we can set aside all those other differences and we can gather together and we learn to love people that are a little bit different than us. That don't always see things eye to eye. And yet we can still love each other and accept one another and listen to one another and have civil conversations with one another. Why? Because there's a different focus than on our differences. The world tries to focus on our differences. Why we're different. Oh, you're this color politically? Yeah, you sit with those people over there. You're this color. You sit with that group in the other. You can't even be in the same room. You sit in the other theater. And so at church, we don't look at our differences. We look at that which unites us. We looked at this one. Body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity. It's about being united together. So one of the ways that we do this, which when I discovered this a couple of years ago, it absolutely blew my mind. It's about why do we worship corporately? Here's what happens when to get, we're all together in the same room singing the same song together. You know what happens? Your brain waves begin to sync with everyone else here in the room. When a group of people gather together in a room and start singing the same song, this happens at concerts as well, but it happens every single Sunday morning when we sing and when we worship together, our brain waves are sinking. We're becoming more in alignment. We're becoming more united. There's something that happens when we're all singing these same words together. It's, it's as if this, this love that we're singing about, it's becoming real. And we're filled with more love for each person here. Uh, here's something else. What about... Eucharist, or communion, which we will celebrate here in a moment. This is the focal point of church. Again, we set aside all those differences. We look at what it is that unites us. You know what unites us when we celebrate Eucharist? The beauty and messiness of our humanity. There's some beautiful things about being human, and there are some messy things about being human. We all carry each around with us, the beauty and the mess. When we come to the table together, we acknowledge that. We're also acknowledging we all need grace. There's not a single person who is not in need of grace. So when we come to the table, we're acknowledging, we're humbling ourselves, and we're saying, I need that grace. And we see other people come forward and take the bread and take the cup. And as we corporately do that and see each other, it does something to me. 
when I see each one of us humbling ourselves, coming forward and saying, yeah, I, I need that grace. I need that reminder that I'm loved and that I'm forgiven, that I'm always loved no matter where I've been. When we come to the table, when we come to church, we're on equal footing. No one is better than anyone else. That's what the first church was all about. Yeah, we have some people who they own businesses, they own multiple homes, and we have people who are slaves who have absolutely no rights. When we come to the table, when we gather together as a church, we're saying none of that matters. None of that matters because we're all on equal footing before God and with each other. And here's something else for me about why I absolutely love celebrating Eucharist. To me, it's a reminder that all can and will be healed. Why do we participate in this ritual? We are reminded about death. Death on a cross. Death is pretty much the worst thing that can happen. And yet, death didn't hold Jesus in the grave. There was a resurrection. So we come to the table and we remind ourselves, life gets dark. We go through our own forms of death at times. But resurrection is coming. The story doesn't end Friday in the grave. But the story continues through resurrection. So we come to the table and it produces hope. It provides us with hope to realize, yeah, what I'm going through right now is difficult. But Sunday is on its way. All can and will be healed. So whenever you're going through something, I would argue, get some bread, get some grape juice or wine, whatever your preference is. Gather together with some friends because that's a church. And you can celebrate, participate in this ancient ritual. And we'll do that together this morning. So when you come forward here in a moment, you can take the bread, you can take the cup. Be reminded of the death of Jesus on the cross this death that offers life to you, this death that produces grace upon grace, the grace of God that is upon you. May you trust that grace. And as you come forward and take the bread and the cup, may you be filled with hope that whatever you're going through, may you be reminded it's not the end. Resurrection is on its way. And may that fill your soul with hope this morning.